0: Can you hear you got me good morning believers good morning good morning glad to see you guys um, let's worship our beloved worship leader sam is out this week so just going to be a us a smaller team um let's pray let's pray Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we need you. We are dependent on you, God. We've been given life. And we live for you. Our lives are moving towards you we thank you that we get to be part of your story. God, would you be glorified this morning? Would you meet us where we are, God? We're so dependent on you. So we pray more of you, more of you. Would you increase and we decrease? We love you, God. We trust you. You grow our faith this morning. In Jesus' name.
1: different intro, and we're going to continue with our worship music here for a second. But um, obviously, it's been a a strange week in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Um, and there's just all kinds of things we could say about that, I suppose. But the question I'm asking Jesus is, how do we be your people in the midst of of tragedy and crisis. Um, I don't know about you, but I just felt this heaviness um, and even fear. I could feel, honestly, a sense of evil um, in ways I haven't before. And I believe it was as much just kind of discernment of what the whole, what's going on in our culture. Um, and I started to think, man, how can we worship Jesus in this context? Why would we worship Jesus in this context? As I got to thinking about it, I called my friend Anthony Elliott because he's a pastoral counselor at Plumline who's helped me with stuff. And I said, Anthony, how would you talk about this? And I said, you know what? Can you talk about this instead of me? And so he said he would. So, Anthony, will you come up? I just want Anthony to coach us a little bit how we engage the Lord in a moment like this.
2: Well, as I gave this some thought, uh, I put some pen to paper, so forgive me if I read this to you, but, uh, it was really my heart's, uh, way to process. So as a pastoral counselor, people often come into my office wrestling with the most painful and difficult questions of their lives. One of the most prevalent questions is the why question. Why did this happen? Why does evil exist? If God is good, why doesn't he keep bad things from happening? The temptation is to offer some simple solution to a tremendously complex problem, which becomes incredibly demeaning. The majority of the work that happens to be able to process these things comes in the form of the story we tell ourselves about it. Most of us would like to have a foundation that says life shouldn't be like this and evil should not be able to run rampant. Fortunately, the Bible does offer us this promise found in John 16:33. Unfortunately, this promise doesn't often make it into the books about the promises of God, so we may not be as familiar with it. John 16:33 says, "And these are the words of Jesus: And everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows. But you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. So our baseline for reality is experiencing trouble and sorrows. When we struggle with this part of reality, we begin to ask the wrong questions, just like the disciples did when they brought a blind man to Jesus in John 9 and asked, whose sin caused this blindness, his parents or his own? And Jesus responded, neither. The disciples went to a place that is easy to go to, blame. Whose fault is it? We are still doing the same today must be the gun manufacturers, must be bad parenting, must be the government, and so on and so on, when in reality we have lost the ability or at least the freedom to embrace sadness, to give ourselves the ability to mourn, to weep with those who weep, to allow the Holy Spirit to actually be the comforter and comfort us. It is only through our ability to unite in sadness that we will be able to come together to fight these types of injustices. Without it, we are only left with trying to assign blame. We are all going to experience grief and loss in our lifetime. The difference is that we do not grieve as the rest who have no hope, 1 Thessalonians 4.13 tells us. But please notice that it does not say that we won't grieve. The Bible amazingly records two specific instances where Jesus himself wept. Not just got teary-eyed, but wept. I mean, ugly cry. He, the one that knew the biggest picture, still allowed himself to feel the depth of loss. So that leads us to this. What is the hope that makes the difference? How do we sing praises in the midst of our pain? It is the knowledge that he wants to be in it with us. At the very heart of glorifying is just being happy to be with somebody. A smile when you walk in the room. Nothing feels more welcoming and connecting. So can we, in the hurt, through the tears, amidst the angst, Can we hold on to the belief that he is happy to be with us and we can be happy to be with him? So I want to encourage you. I'm going to invite you during this time of worship maybe to close your eyes. Maybe imagine your view of of God the Father in heaven. And your eyes meet his eyes Those wonderful, loving, compassionate eyes. And he just smiles, the biggest smile. Happy to be with you. And can you imagine Jesus walking in this room and sitting down next to you and just being happy to be with you? And can you imagine... A warm embrace from the Holy Spirit who wants to comfort you. And all we can do in response to that, and I say that knowing that this is not easy, in fact, it'll probably be the hardest thing you'll do. As can we take off our masks? of everything's okay? Can we step out from behind our walls of self-preservation and self-protection? And can we actually let God love us today? Can we let God meet us in the sorrow and be here with us in it?
1: So there's your invitation. Let Jesus meet us here and do what he wants to in us. So we're gonna to continue to worship. You're welcome to stand now if you'd like to, or stay seated, whatever. will help you engage with Jesus the best. You know, there's a crazy story in Acts 16 where Paul and Silas do a good deed, then they're beaten by the government, illegally, imprisoned, and what do they do while they're in prison? They worship God. Sometimes I thought, is it Is it cruel of God to say, when you're having a hard time, tell me how great I am? You know, it's like, but I started to realize here's what God does for us. He takes us out of our tiny perspective to occupy our vision and understanding with himself. With that vision of him looking at us, loving us, having full capability to do whatever he needs to do in us. Could we turn our attention to him now? So let's go ahead and worship together. You guys would lead us. Thank you. i I'm going to do a little bit more worship music but Anna just shared something with me I thought we needed to hear yeah.
3: I'm just struck so much by the love of God just like Anthony invited us into because as we sing those words about Jesus's blood he laid down his life and that he weeps with us I'm just remembering conversations Dane and I have had with those who are Muslim and it, it, it's something that they they, ref- they refuse to believe that God in all his glory would come down and, and weep with us, would come down and offer his body and his blood. It, it's, they refuse it and say, no, God is, is greater than that. He's more holy. He would, he would never do that. He would never lay down his life like that. And I just pray, Lord, would you show us a picture, that picture you gave us, that we can have confidence that your love is complete. You showed your love even though you were God of all, all glory, honor, and power belongs to you. You made yourself nothing and gave your life for us. You fill us with love. Your love is our blood. Your love is the only life we have. You suffer and cry with us. What are you like, God? What are you like that you suffer and are with us now? You didn't leave us and say, good luck. It sucks down there. (laughs) But you say, I'm with you and I lived it. I lived it. I love you. I'll never leave you. Jesus, thank you for your love. It it's so beyond anything we could possibly know. Please show us your love. It, you have, but we we forget, we can't even fathom it. You gave your life, you're God of all, you became nothing. You became a curse for us. We praise you, Jesus. Let us praise him. His love is our blood. It's the only life we have. Thank you.
4: My firm foundation, the rock on which I stand when everything around me is shaking. I've never been more glad that I put my
5: i oh
1: Matthew 5, 3, in the message translation, Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount. He starts by saying, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God in his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever get. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart, put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. So, Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, by the Spirit, saying we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And thank you that, Lord, that you, you have said through Paul that Ephesians 5, or excuse me, 2, 10, that we've been created in Christ Jesus for good works that you've prepared beforehand. So what to do we find in you? What to do we find in you? Lord, continue to develop in us the actual conviction and the relinquishment that when we're at the end of our rope, we're at the best place we could be. We're finally depending on you. We're finally letting go of the props, the things that we do to comfort ourselves that aren't actually you. Lord, help us to embrace a new normal of naked dependence on God. Lord, instead of looking for the perfect answer, we run to you. Trust them that you will show us what to do. Thank you. Thank you. Just before we have a moment of greeting one another, I wanted to invite Chris Hogue to come up. Chris Chris is a therapist at Laureate, which is one of the part of the St. Francis system. So, it was part of the events, and he I just had some sim- simple advice on what to do um here at this moment.
6: all right, yeah, so I'm kind of give you some relation uh My building is like directly behind the Natalie building, um, so that was a little weird uh Wednesday morning in staff meeting, we were talking about taking precautions on what to do in case of an active shooter event, and somebody said, "Well yeah, but." More than likely, this is never gonna happen. And six hours later, (laughs) it was happening, which is really weird. Um, But the rest of the week was, especially being in the mental health section of St. Francis, we kind of feel like like it was weird that it didn't happen up where we work first. So we were all pretty nervous. Um, But in particularly, and these folks get looked over, our, our, public, our patient service representatives, or PSRs, they're, they're basically like the front office administrative people that you go in and talk to. The doctor's PSR was one of the people who was shot and killed on Wednesday. Um, so, our sweet, sweet ladies who work up front and really have a fairly thankless job were doing a very brave thing in my mind to come into work Thursday morning. Um, and Thursday morning, people started bringing in notes as they came in for their appointments. One person brought donuts for the whole office to share, little cards, things like that. And it really meant a lot to us as, as uh, clinicians to, for people to do that. But I think it really meant a lot for Kathy and Amy up front that people were thinking about them. They, and they came in and said, we're praying for you. If you have a doctor's appointment, therapy appointment, anything like that in the next coming weeks, I, I encourage you just take a note that says, Hey, I'm thinking about you praying for you. I'm aware of, you know, what's been going on here in Tulsa. Um, let them know that they, like they are cared for. All right. Um, it really is, it's done a, a lot more good than you could ever imagine, I think. So that's all I wanted to share.
1: Thanks, Chris. Isn't that good? <laughs> D- don't you ever notice when you think about what should I do? We usually go to the epic, like I have to change something massive rather than write a card. And writing a card may be the most concrete thing you can do. Ha- Speaking of that, let's just take a moment. Stand up, greet one another, show some affection, greet somebody you've never seen before and welcome them to Believer's Church today.